Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Sinister Soup, the show where we explore genre fiction through the lens of film, literature, and ridiculous conversation. I am one of your hosts, Clay Vermolum. And I am your other host, Travis Vermolum. That's y'all, lad. Indeed. Okay, so on this show we got a couple segments, the first of which is always Bring Some Culture. Where culture. we're culture. Where we're just gonna shine a light on uh someone who's out there in the cultural world doing something cool. Um, our definition of that is rather broad. It could be anything really, as long as it's like kind of artistic and, and kinda cool doing something uniquely that sending a good message or accomplishing a good cause. So Travis, uh what do you got this week? Well, this week the cause that is being sent out is just generally making people laugh and there is an instagram page that i follow that makes me out out loud laugh pretty much every time i see a post from them and it is paperback paradise i will warn whoever's listening if you don't like inappropriate content probably not the instagram page for you don't log on but this (laughs) this page pretty much the whole thing they do is go and find like you know those like dime store really old the crappy looking novels like the little you know like the harlequin novels mm-hmm. he he or she they find um those and basically just rework the the titles and the descriptions on the back to like kind of fit the picture and <laughs> so in a very comical way like um the one I saw the other day is like a fantasy Harlequin novel with like uh, a woman coming out of like a dark hole looking thing. And there's a bunch of skeletons and there's like a dead guy laying next to her. And the title is changed to skeletons effed up my husband. <laughs> and it's just like a description on the back of like, I was just trying to do the chores when all of a sudden the skeletons messed up my husband. And like, it's, it's just funny stuff like that. And if you want a good chuckle and you're okay with some inappropriate humor and some language, uh, paperback paradise, it makes me laugh every time. Right on. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Super creative. Those are fun pages. That's a lot better than like my favorite watch to laugh Instagram, which is kook slams. <laughs> yeah but <laughs> it's just so fun watching waves demolish people <laughs> yeah you There's... gotta have some of those contents that's just like i want to chuckle today and this is where i'm gonna go what did you bring for culture this week i am bringing a literary magazine that i recently submitted to i spend a lot of time like surfing magazines and I found this one, Uncharted, it's called. They are, it looks like they've released some stuff, but they're also still raising money to like officially get their magazine up and running. Mm-hmm. But they're accepting regular fiction, like uh, regular as in you can submit every couple of months. Mm-hmm. And they they pay really good, and it just sounds like they're ran by a couple of really experienced uh, publishers and writers. They seem to have a really good editorial team and they're just really exciting to see because you see a lot of literary journals that um, are kind of doing the same thing Mm -hmm. uh, that they've always done. Uh, But it looks like this magazine is really coming out and trying to uh, offer a place for writers to like 
it seems like if you got on in good with them, you could really make a living doing that, you know? Yeah. If you got like 200 bucks a story and your story's like 3,000 words, you could do one of those for every submission period. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Because a lot of magazines, I mean, there's so many out there. You can make that living, but it's really, really almost impossible with mm -hmm. writing like short fiction, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so a place of coming out and giving authors a viable place, make pretty good wages, actually a supplemental wage at least, with their short fiction is really cool to see. Yeah, it's a. I feel like it's an industry that's hard to... A lot of the arts seem like they're kind of just like a you, you either make it fully or you don't make it at all. And like they're <laughs> in every other industry, there's like that in between almost. And that's good to see that there's places for writers of like, oh, I can make a living on this, even if I don't like publish the next great American novel and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like there's that in between zone for fiction, but it is really hard to get in there, mm -hmm. I think. I mean, it's hard just to get into, like, the first level of publishing fiction. So, Uncharted Literature. Uh, check them out. They're coming. They're new. Um, I've submitted to them, so fingers crossed something will get published by them because they are a really cool-looking magazine. And anyone who's also listening and maybe is a writer in their own, like, looking for an outlet, that'd be a great, great place to search. Definitely. Yeah, it's Uncharted easy to find and if you have submittable it's on there uh they also accept genre fiction which if you've tried to do any publishing you'll you'll know it that can be hard mm. lots of please uh lots of magazines specifically say no genre fiction mm. mm -hmm. right on well our next segment of the show is what we probably would call our main segment of the show because it takes the most time um, mm -hmm. is roll for enthrallment. We roll a dice uh, to decide who gets to debate for or against whatever piece of literature, film, or genre fiction we are discussing that week. The higher roll gets to argue for it. Roll gets to argue against, regardless of what we actually think of the piece of art. So what are we rolling for enthrallment this week, Clay? Well... This week we are going to debate the horror film Sinister, which has a really interesting concept. It's a horror that centers around a um, true crime writer who is kind of notorious because one of his books, Kentucky Blood, actually helped solve like a really big murder case, um, and he was a and he was also kind of harsh towards the cops of the murder case in his novel. So like the cops of every town they go to don't like him. Uh, the neighborhood can be kind of like, I don't know if we need this guy around here. He's going to write that we all suck, you know. Mm -hmm. And then it's also, you know, very dark topics that he writes about. So he's kind of like a troubled writer. Um, he's struggling. The success of his first book is not carrying over to his new books. And he's trying to write a new one. He's following a murder case. And if you don't know, this section contains heavy spoilers. Uh, skip forward a little until you, you hear us talking about dice rolling. If you want to skip spoilers. They move into the house uh, of one of the murders that he's investigating. Or disappearances. And they there find a box of old films and start watching them. And they are all films of people being murdered. 
um, the people that he's looking for in his book. And he slowly comes to realize they're all connected. And the monster in the movie is a demigod called uh, Bagul, I believe. Mm-hmm. Ball or Bagul, one of the two. Yeah, one of those two. It's an ancient uh, Mesopotamian god, I believe, um, who lives in the images in which he's depicted by mankind. And so he slowly starts to, uh, you know, take the family over and make another movie. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. We're going to debate that. We're going to debate that. All right. And are you ready? Let's roll for intro. I'm ready. Let's see who's entrolled. Probably me. I don't eight. know about that. I got a three. Oh yeah. I'm back on top <laughs> with an eight. Oh man, that's a low <laughs> roll to get your winning oh. streak back. I know. That's not really how we wanted to do it, but you know, you don't always you don't always come back out on top easily. Win is a win. Win's right. a win. I'm gonna start the timer and start ripping in. So sinister. Hey now, just cause you won two weeks in a row. The <laughs> The one who is winning actually goes goes first. You made me go first a few times when I was losing. No, you just went first the t- last two weeks because you won. All right, all right, you go ahead. Tell us about Sinister. You believe this, ladies and gentlemen? You, be- <laughs> <laughs> you believe what I have to put up with here? First, he's going to come up here, and he's going to try and talk smack about one of my favorite horror movies of the last uh, two decades. This movie, I feel like there was a, a flurry of really excellent horror movies that all kind of came out within like six years of each other. And this movie was one of the first of that flurry. Um, and in my opinion, still the best. You know, it, it was like when Insidious started coming out. Um, the Conjuring came out. Yep. Like you said, I believe Paranormal Activity came out around that time as well. Around that time. It was kind of the start of like the Bloomhouse days. Yeah, yeah, there a lot of good stuff came out. Hereditary, which we already discussed, came out kind of in that that area. Um, the Strangers, I think too, mm-hmm. um, which was good. Anyway, a flurry of just excellent horror movies, and they all came out uh, within like six to eight years of each other. And Sinister is still my favorite out of all of them because I love demigods. Um, first of all. And anything that messes with, like, folklore and spiritualism from uh, cultures that we don't hear about too often. I I prefer that to, like, Christian demons because they're just so many movies about them. So this is a cool approach to, like, a monster I hadn't heard of and that is really unique because it, like, lives in the films. Um, And I love how they developed that film-centric plotline. Get it? Mm, mm -hmm. Developed it. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. um, uh-huh. I do. I do though. It was so fun to watch that unfoil, and it was Ethan Hawke's performance in that film is amazing. Um, watching his character go through these realizations, and how like every time you watch that film, you watch it like a hundred times, and you finally start to see the monster. All and it's cool because if you go back and watch it again too, you can see him. You can always see the monster if you know where to look. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty awesome. Like I was saying, the development of that really unique folklore put on top of this uh, storyline that I really identify with as a writer. I love watching writer characters 
<laughs> makes it easy to read Stephen King. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was fun to watch like this, uh, struggling, a struggling writer character is someone I, I definitely empathize with. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I just love following that character through this like horrific journey. Mm. I will agree with you that I, it's a wonderful concept. It was a really well-developed concept. I think you're completely right that like the Christian demon has kind of just been done to death at this point with horror there's very rarely anything unique brought to that story. So I liked that they were bringing like a pagan god in or a demigod. Um, but my big issue is despite being very creative of a concept and despite having like decent performances, it still just fell in to a lot of horror tropes. Um, mm -hmm. It borrowed most of what it did from other in my opinion better movies the monster being everywhere when you like look close enough that is just the strangers the strangers i think came out before it and it kind of just borrowed that like look in the corner and see the thing move that you didn't catch the first viewing borrowed that from the strangers jump scares from generations of films before i'd had a lot of um, false jumps that scream kind of revolutionized that kind of bothered me of like there was a lot of those moments where oh he's gonna turn the corner and oh nothing's there but then he turns the corner again and there's the thing that kind of is where i thought it wasn't i would not be able to ever argue that this is a bad horror film but i think because of how many tropes it borrows and because of how many like standard issue horror fair uh concepts it uses despite its creative story it is a subpar horror film wow <laughs> wow bro <laughs> first of all that film like the thing about saying there's too many tropes is like that's like 90 percent of horror movies though um, yeah, but there's there's a lot of stuff that comes out nowadays especially that's like really really upsetting those tropes and like Horror is almost evolving into more of a dread thing, which I really appreciate it. I think Sinister, here's my thing. I think Sinister had the potential to do what is being done now, and they didn't capitalize on it. They could have taken this story and kind of moved more into that slow burn, full, like, I leave the theater. After The Witch, I left the theater, and I was, like, not okay for two days. <laughs> and, like that's because it had these like lingering effect. And I thought that Sinister could have done that, but they didn't. Like I left the theater and I was like, ooh, that was okay, but I forgot it already. The movies that you're talking about exist because of movies like Sinister and Insidious. Those movies were the ones who started to, who started to shift the horror genre from being like, just like slasher movies, which is kind of like what was big in the 80s, you know? Mm -hmm. And these movies, made, like, the transition started to happen. I feel like there was a lot of serial killers movies in the 90s. Yeah, the 90s was, like, plagued by a lot of them. Kind of, like, campy. They took, like, the campy 80s feeling, but, like, urbanized it. Yeah, and it was, like, there was such a fascination with serial killers, like, in the 90s and 80s, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it shifted into... Because Sinister is totally a movie where you think you're supposed to think early on that it was like a serial killer that did this, you know, mm -hmm. 
because that's the kind of people that he follows around and that's how it seems at first and even like any nothing paranormal really happens or you don't know it's happening anyway until uh he actually sees the 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 creature for the first time on the film Mm -hmm. um otherwise you just assume his family's like troubled because like they give you kind of the false scare with the the kid coming out of the box that part but Mm -hmm. that's just something his son does and it's just because his son has some mental issues so i thought it did a great job of like setting you up to think it was one kind of story and then showing you it was a different kind that it was a paranormal story and that's really like what those mid early 2000s horror movies that kind of started to turn things back in that like you say that dread direction instead of like straight jump scares and like gore turned it a little more towards like a suspense and dread type of horror movie and this is one of those that i think kind of got that trend started because this was right there with insidious and the strangers and hereditary and it still stands up for sure like it's a pretty good horror movie man i think it sort of falls into the category of what Bloomhouse to me is is just becoming like um a24 production company has been cranking out sort of my favorite horror films and Bloomhouse like started with these movies like insidious and sinister they started with this huge promise to like evolve and they've kind of just stayed the same like the conjuring the devil made me do it just came out and you know it was good but it was like the same been making for the past however like eight to ten years and that's kind of where my problem with sinister is is like it's like this this thesis that bloomhouse wrote that was really kind of a cool concept and i was like ooh, the execution can be amazing but like bloomhouse's all their other films they still were just like but we're still just gonna make a cookie cutter but it has a cool skin on it yeah i i don't agree that it's cookie cutter I think they did lots of unique things in Sinister. Mm-hmm. Again, nothing that like they didn't do anything completely groundbreaking, you know. Um, but I thought that they managed to use very believable dialogue, very believable family dynamics, and put it all in a really unique uh, cultural lens for the monster to come from, you know for us to experience this terror through dad well around uh beer of the week <laughs> beer of the week that's good i I feel like i have an unfair advantage with the timer oh because you know you, yeah, what you i know you, when you're like i kind of you know i watch it and i try not to be the last person to speak and not be interrupted but sometimes i have interrupted myself i guess a few times but i feel like i interrupt you more yeah usually <laughs> Anyway, but that's okay. I was just ranting at that point. <laughs> Beer of the week. What are you drinking, bro? I'm drinking Pillow Fest. It's supposed to be tropical, juicy, and ripe. And Ew. it's a hazy IPA. That sounds like everything I despise about beer. I know. It's from Portland, Oregon. Old Town mm-hmm. Brewing. I'm back on the quest. All right. Well, back to Oregon. You're successful. Me too. I am drinking... All right. You know, I'm recording this from uh, our grandparents' lake house, and a lot of beer gets just brought and left. Nice. My grandma has been trying to get rid of these uh, Lewis and Clark Brewing Company Prickly Pear Pale Ales. 
Oh, gross. For a while. So <laughs> I'm I'm doing her a favor and uh, going to crack this one open and clear the fridge out. Good luck. Yeah, you too. I hope it's good. Let's do it. Oh, I can... I smelled it, and I already know. Yep. Yep. Cool, great beer of the week. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I hate pears <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I don't like IPAs. Nope. 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 Great. Here we are. Great beer of the week. Well, at least the movie was good, which leads me to saying, I I sinister. Um, I do. I will stick with a few of my points though that like. Oh, it's cookie cutter as hell. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I I felt obligated to deny that, mm-hmm. but I agree with that. I think you're right though in that like it was still really innovative in the story, and I think like the point I'll stick to is it was Bloomhouse's promise. Like it, mm-hmm. insi- insidious and sinister were this promise that Bloomhouse made. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be the company to watch. And they've yet to, like, reproduce how good those first two, like, debuts were. And they just keep remaking those. And I'm like, okay, I don't Mm -hmm. like (laughs) I agree. I agree with the your notes on Bloomhouse. They started so strong that Mm -hmm. it was like, well, you're not going to top those. No. Not unless you, like, really mix it up. Hire, hire Jordan Peele to write your next one. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know? Then you might be able to. But, like, you're not going to top it with The Conjuring 3. <laughs> <That's>... yeah, or <laughs> Annabelle 5. <laughs> Annabelle 7. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just not going to work. But I really enjoyed Sinister. And I'm glad we're talking about it because it makes gives me an opportunity to rant about one of my favorite actors, Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. is right there with Jake Gyllenhaal of I actually get physically angry that they never win awards because those two are amazing. Mm-hmm. And he really brought it to that. Oh, I feel like a lot of act, um, you know, and this is not like insulting anyone. This is just sometimes actors are in like cookie cutter horror movies and you can tell they're in it because they need the money. Mm hmm. You know, like uh, Gary Oldman in that boat movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still Gary Oldman. He's still, like, he did his job, you know. But there was nothing groundbreaking about the role, so he did his, he did what he could. And you could tell that he wasn't, like, it wasn't his favorite role he ever got, mm-hmm. you know. And I was worried that Ethan Hawke in this movie might be in that kind of situation. But he had a very good character to play, and he crushed it. It was awesome. Oh, yeah, he did absolutely amazing. And the rest of the cast, like, supporting him, the kids, like, sometimes it's hard to find children actors. They knocked it out of the park. And I really do, like, I left the theater, and I I definitely lied about not feeling that dread. Because, again, I think it was sort of a really strong effort in that kind of change to the horror genre we're seeing of, like, I left the theater and was like, man, I watch a lot of movies, and, like, maybe this thing's going to be, like, in the film. (laughs) I, (laughs) I was like, creeped out and it stayed stuck with me for a couple days and that is just a sign of a good horror movie that's uh, one of the fun things about sinister is that last shot where you see the monster you know it's Mm -hmm. like if this was real (laughs) this is this would be the way to do it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
if you were that god this would be the way to get some worship yep and unfortunately the sequel is i don't know if you've seen the second one Mm -hmm. not good not not good not good again i've seen some pretty bad horror movies so that one was like i still was like you know i like the concept enough i'm on board Mm -hmm. but it wasn't good it wasn't like i've never recommended it to anybody Mm -hmm. but i've definitely recommended sinister to a lot of people Mm -hmm. almost anybody who wants to watch horror movies i'm like this is these are my three favorites sinisters one of them it's it's super spooky yeah it is um and one thing i I liked about it i do agree that it was a bit cookie cutter you know like the kid gets possessed but um and kills her family and all that but it's kind of like the reason that's such a cookie cutter thing is because so many entities and creatures do target children Mm -hmm. i mean that just is a lot of people believe that that's because these stories are made up to scare children into behaving Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like uh warn them about things that are out in the world Mm -hmm. uh i guess bagul could be a warning against like the dangers of following what you see depicted in Mm -hmm. art or something i still think they did a good job of like slowing it down Mm-hmm. and it wasn't too obvious. I mean, she was, like, drawing on her wall and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but they, I don't know, they did it subtly different, you know what I mean? The parents weren't constantly, like, harassing the little girl about the drawing. It was just one scene that that happened. Yeah, and, yeah. You know? And you kind of, like, forget about it, because mm-hmm. you, like, it was a big thing, but it was, like, they didn't, like, complete, continually go back to it. They didn't show the wall every other cutscene and show the painting getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. They just showed the painting twice. They showed it the first time it was a problem with the family, and then it was really big. And mm-hmm. then that was terrifying. It's like, oh, this is what she's been doing. <laughs> well, we forgot she was a character. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happens in all the videos. Like, the only one that's not there is the missing kid, and that's, like, what he's tracking for his book. And you realize it's because the kids killed everybody. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was cool. Pretty typical that the kid gets possessed and kills everyone. It's kind of how it usually goes. But they did it in their own way, and they used their their lore well, which I always appreciate when you not only take a cool monster, but you use it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think my biggest appreciation of like well done cookie cutter movies like this is that like they're kind of a I don't want to use the term gateway, but you kind of like need like like you say you suggest sinister friends. My go tos mm-hmm. are. When I have a friend that's like, I'm not into horror movies, but I like to like give them a try. I always go Sinister, The Woman in Black, Insidious. Mm-hmm. And like, if they like those, then I'll jump into like, check yeah. out The Witch. Check you out, might be ready for The Witch. Yeah, check out <laughs> Midsummer. Like, these are movies that are going to be weird and kind of way different than anything you've seen, but they're dreadful. And this is also horror. But you need these, like, cookie-cutter movies to be like, oh, you've never watched horror movies before? Okay, check out these. Yeah, yeah. Don't start with The Witch. Yeah, I'm not going to just throw you into, like, Midsummer. It's too much. Wasn't it great? And they'll be like, "Uh, no, what did I watch? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you suggested The Witch to someone for their first horror movie, they'd be like... Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) Like, that movie... 
is extremely entertaining and terrifying, but you have to be like on board for what it is. Mm-hmm. You can't go in there expecting, like you say, a gateway movie. It's not. It's not a gateway movie. You got to go through a couple levels first mm-hmm. of enjoying horror. And like, just because they're gateway movies, I think Sinister proves like, just because it is kind of a gateway movie, it's a great movie, and it it's mm-hmm. like a wonderful first step into the horror genre on like character level on story, even if it is a bit by the numbers. And again, like it's not a crime to follow the formula. Most stories do. The mm-hmm. vast majority of all stories do that. You know, mm-hmm. the difference between a good one and a bad one is the performances and the writing and the, the way they weave the plot together. And Sinister mm-hmm. does a great job of making their film stand out in those subtle ways. All right. I think that's a show. That's a show for sure. For sure. We By the numbers. Sinister. By the numbers. Stuck to the formula completely. <laughs> Same formula we've been doing. We're a, we're a gateway podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> after After you're done with this podcast, you might be ready to try out something hardcore like Joe Rogan. <laughs> Oh, we I are just, not comparable to Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's just the first one that comes to my mind. I mean, he's huge. <laughs> All right. So wow. we we are definitely something for Joe Rogan to aspire to. Yeah, I think he should have us on his show. Well, we'll see. We'll see if we can pencil him in. <laughs> I don't know if we have the time. Just so you know, Joe, we're open to talk. <laughs> uh, but, you know, don't get your hopes up. Mm-hmm. All right. That'll be a podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. You can find me at Claver Mullum Fiction on Instagram, Claver Mullum on LinkedIn, and there's now a Sinister Soup page on Reddit if you want to go check that out. Hey! I've only put up two posts because I'm kind of figuring Reddit out, but I would love to have some traffic on the Reddit site. We're going to do some things involving the blog, going to do some things involving this podcast, so it'll be fun. Come on over and join the community and uh, get some positive karma on Reddit. You can find me at T Vermullum OG on Instagram um, or at T Vermullum on TikTok. Also, hopefully, Sinister Soup YouTube page coming soon? Question mark? We're working on it. We're working on that. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, if you're a regular listener, Why don't you hit us up on one of those places we just said. Any of them really work. And let us know what kind of things you would like to see on on the YouTube. Because we haven't really narrowed that down yet. No. And we have a lot of potential for things we could do. So let us know. Yeah, let us know. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. We will see you next week um, when we will be discussing the Dresden Files. So hope to see you over there. I have been Claver Mullum. And I have been Travis Vermullum. And we are both still those people. <laughs>